Whiskey Business is brought to you by the law offices of Saya and Pyatt and by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. Rivalries. We have them in sports, business, love, and yeah, family. My earliest memory of a rivalry was, of course, a sibling rivalry. I was the firstborn, and I had the world by my still undeveloped balls until four years later my sister came. Then it was all about the baby. And for a while, the four years between us did a nice job of keeping us in our own separate worlds. But when I was nine and she was five, then me ten and her six and so forth and so on, I was expected to do things with my sister. Watch TV with your sister. Keep an eye on your sister. Play a game with your sister. The last one was the worst because early on in life, my sister decided that sore loser was the best role for her and the brother-sister dynamic. No matter what the game, if it seemed inevitable that she would lose, she would wreck the board, start screaming that I was cheating, and storm away until the next game. Then my mother would tell me to let your sister win every once in a while. But I could not. While she may have been my sister, and I loved her, she was my rival, and you never just let your rival win, right? But we're older now. Things have changed. Yeah. Until I land and purchase Boardwalk and Park Place, then those little green houses and red hotels just go flying. I'm Dino Tripodis, and welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. And our guest bottle tonight, speaking of rivals, because... um. Uh, over the course of the time you hear this podcast and maybe uh, afterwards, one of the biggest rivalries in sports will be the Ohio State-Michigan game. And I almost feel bad that our guest bottle tonight is Traverse City Whiskey Company Straight Bourbon Whiskey from Traverse City, Michigan. And my guest, it's a, uh, it's a momentous occasion, Hansberry. Our guest is not only a repeat guest, Alex Hasty attorney and Ohio historian extraordinaire, but he also is our official 40th guest on Whiskey Business. We've had more than 40 podcasts, but 40, but 40 guests, the 40th. That's amazing. Thank you. Welcome. How do you feel about being part of such a momentous occasion? It's a really big honor. It's the Ruby anniversary. <laughs> is it really? The Ruby. The yeah. Ruby anniversary. Yeah, the 40th. Did you bring me something Ruby-like? I brought you a t-shirt from our show. <laughs> We're going to mention that uh, later as well, but you also have a podcast, which is, uh, which is about Ohio history, Ohio v. the world. And uh, that's going very well for you as well. It is. We're launching our second season on Thursday, the 18th of November. See, there's another guy that does seasons. Should we have done seasons? It allows you to take a break, and it allows I throw a big party every season so and do a little media blitz, which is why I'm being subjected to this. Um, but we also throw – it just it gives you a little break in the, in the action and lets you kind of come back, and, and you know, it, it just keeps people uh, keeps people interested. Because they feel like they're a part of 
something like seasons as opposed to us who just, just you get, keep you, going and going and you're going. You're just an old reliable plow horse, <laughs> ready to help out around the around the farm. <laughs> You just keep going. You wake up every day and just pot away. <laughs> just pot away. Uh, our, our 40th guest. Uh, well, yeah. And the whiskey, we purposely went with a Michigan whiskey because, um, as I mentioned, Alex's podcast is Ohio v. The World. And tonight we're going to talk about the battle between Ohio and Michigan, not the football battle. We're going to talk about an actual battle that occurred in the 1800s. Uh, first of all, though, let's 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 just briefly discuss the whiskey. You have the uh, Traverse City Whiskey Company Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Um, it is 86 proof. It's a young whiskey. In order to be a straight bourbon whiskey, you have to be aged at least a minimum of two years. This one claims to be somewhere between two and four years of age. So it's 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 a young buckaroo of a of a bourbon, but. I don't know. You've had a couple of sips. I like it. Do you? I like it. You, yeah. Are we allowed to say that? That we like a Michigan whiskey? We yeah. We it's it's Michigan week coming up, but we're allowed to say when it comes to whiskey on whiskey business, we can say we enjoy it. Yeah. No matter where it comes from. I tell you, when I when I smell it, it smells hot, but it but when you taste it, it doesn't have as much of a burn. No, it doesn't. No, it's um, it it, it feels a little thick to me, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, kind of um, thick, almost uh, molassy. Molasses like sassy molassy, sassy molassy like. Yeah. Where'd you Where'd you get it? Uh, I got it in uh, East Lansing, Michigan. Okay, nice. Yeah, and it's a little smoky, mm-hmm. a little smoky, but uh, overall, I'd say pretty good and reasonable. It definitely it's in our favorite category on whiskey business. The under fifty bucks a bottle. It runs about thirty two to thirty five bucks a bottle. So. Um, I plan on having a couple couple cups here tonight. Oh, you so. can have as many. You can you can drain the bottle if you want, counselor. So if you trust us, try the Traverse City Whiskey Company bourbon. It's pretty good. Also, I should mention, if you like Whiskey Business, the podcast, you should rate and review us on iTunes as well. As a matter of fact, I think I think we uh, we have a well-deserved shout-out. Hansberry? Yeah, thanks to uh, Tab Brewster. Tab Brewster is a listener. He gave us a five-star rating, Dino. He says... Uh, he actually never drank uh, bourbon before, but the way you describe each bottle makes him want to. <laughs> also, your guests and topics are great. Keep up the good work. Never listen to a podcast until you mention it on the radio. Uh, you had started one. You know, you work on a radio show in Columbus, Ohio, and we talk about it. And uh, he has been listening since day one. So, congrats. So, you're Tab Brewster's first podcast. Wow. Thank you, Tab. Well, Tab, uh, that rings a bell because Tab also, I'm his second podcast. You guys got me a listener. Can you believe that? It's an amazing thing. You did it. You did it. So Tab wrote on mine, and this we got to give a shout out, rate and review our show also, right? No. Uh, heard you on Whiskey Business. Nice. Nice. Yeah, He. he it's mostly about your show. Uh, started, listening, started listening as soon as he made it available. Have lived in Ohio all my life. Did not know about all the great history. Yours is the second podcast I've ever listened wow. to. Wow. Okay. He's you, done. He's, he's got whiskey business. He's got Ohio v. The World. He's done. He doesn't he's, need any more. You don't need any other podcasts. Uh, and he also wrote at the end, Dino, I'm two for two on picking great podcasts. That's awesome. Well, congr- congratulations. To who? To Tab Rooster. Thanks, Tab. It's a great name, by the way. I'm using that as a character in a script. Tab Brewster. You're going to pop up again, Tab, and something. 
Thank you, buddy. The battle between Ohio and Michigan. Yes, people, you can learn on whiskey business. An actual battle? Well, it's it's called the Toledo War, is what is what it's called, or the Michigan-Ohio War. They fought over Toledo. They fought over what's called the Toledo Strip, so basically over the port of Toledo. Uh, and this is in 1835, 1836, as Michigan's be tr- you know trying to become a state, and Ohio is already a state that wants to retain uh, ownership over the important port of Toledo. It seems like a lot of fuss <laughs> over Toledo. And if I understand this correctly, this this started with just a basically a poor understanding of the geography. It does. So when you think about our maps now, everything's everything's laid out, and we know you know which what what's Montana and what's Idaho. Um, but back in the day, you look at these old maps. I mean, we didn't have Google Earth. We didn't have GPS. These maps are being laid out by old bearded white men who are basically walking uh, <laughs> walking a line, and so. The way this starts is over a discrepancy over maps, over what is the border between the state of Ohio, the northwest border of the state of Ohio, and the southern border of what was then called the Michigan Territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you look at each state or each, uh, you know, Ohio and Michigan have a different interpretation of what that line should be. That area in between those two lines is called the Toledo Strip, and that's what the war was fought over in 1835. Was it an actual war, though? It's called the Toledo War. There are no actual deaths in the Toledo War. Yeah. Now, when I started doing my research on this in our episode, <laughs> it's one of our early episodes for our, our season two uh, premiere, um, I went into it thinking that a bunch of people had shot and killed each other. There's a couple of different battles, but there's only wounded involved. There are no actual deaths other than cattle and livestock in the, uh, in the Toledo War. Hmm. So, sorry to let you down. No, 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 no. Bloodthirsty no. psychopath. From what, I, from, what I, from what I understood, it was a lot of, they, you know, both, both had their, their, their militias, you know, on, on either side of the Maumee River, and they were just pretty much just taunting each other for a year. Yeah, a lot of talk. I mean, the, and there are some, some shots fired and some, some, some knives are, are, you know, plunged into some human flesh. But for the most part, it was a bloodless border war o- over the uh, the area around Toledo. Okay, so being an Ohio historian, uh, you have to be, I would imagine, somewhat objective when you when you're looking up these things. And when you come to Ohio, and then you have another uh, tale to tell about Michigan as well. That all right, so do you do you give Michigan the the love that they deserve? Well, I think the the first thing I did for the episode is I had a guest, much like you, with the whiskey. I had a guest from Michigan to add a little balance. Okay. Okay, because I am a giant Ohio State fan. I've lived in Columbus most of my life. You know, my great uncle scored the first touchdown at Ohio Stadium in 1922. Get out, really? Wilmer Isabel, look it up. Wilmer Isabel. Yeah, he was a he was a blocking fullback slash punter. Uh, basically, <laughs> everyone pretty much punted Every, back then. Punting did. was a huge part of the game. Um, but he scored a little two yard plunge o- against Oberlin. Uh, not the first game. The first game Ohio State opened, we didn't actually score a touchdown. But the second game. Um, we actually did score. We beat Oberlin, and my great uncle scored the first touchdown. Uh, and he lived a pretty incredible life um, until he did ultimately get syphilis, and he went crazy and died later in the 40s and 50s. Yeah, but, that'll happen. But he, you know, <laughs> him, and, him and Chick Harley used to roll together. Wow. So he used to block for Chick Harley, and uh, and that's who Ohio Stadium's called, you know, the house that Harley built. Right. And my, my great uncle was one of his uh, blocking backs. 
No shit. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's that's a that's a nice little piece of Buckeye history. It is. It's hard to be you know subjective when you're looking at Michigan because I, they just get me so upset. Um, th- things about Michigan that I don't like when it comes to football <laughs> is anytime you talk to a Michigan fan, I've got a really good buddy uh, Brody. He's a, he's a Michigan fan and. I once dated a girl from Ann Arbor. You did? Uh, I did date. Yeah, my mom was just aghast. Um, but I did date a girl from Ann Arbor, so I've been to Ann Arbor, which is a great town. But they'll always tell you that, you know, Michigan leads the overall series 58-48 to 48 or 58-49 sure. or yeah, whatever it is. Right. Um, and so it always gets me so upset that we lost the first 15 times we played them. So since 1927, Ohio State leads the series, I think it's 46-39. We're 14 and two in the 21st century, so they are normally Michigan relying on you know a game from 1899 when they were the really the first real football power. It, it sounds very similar because I know you're also a Cleveland Browns fan, <laughs> and I hear that from Browns fans all the time. They hearken back to their championship days before 64. they were before there were Super Bowls, yeah. and say you know, but back in the day we were <laughs> how many championships did we? Well, you know what? There weren't Super Bowls. Yeah, nobody cares. The Browns last won their last one in '64. I think they won four or five titles in the '50s. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a Browns game a couple weeks ago. I'm a season ticket holder for the for the Cleveland Browns, unfortunately, and nobody was talking about the 1956 autogram championship. There was mostly bags on heads, a lot of profanity, and a couple of fistfights between it was Browns on Browns violence, as I call it. <laughs> wow, yeah, it's bad up They're there. They're turning on their own. Oh, uh, there's nothing left to do. <laughs> there's nothing left to do, my man. But yeah, Michigan is kind of like the Browns, like that, and they rely on this old football glory past that I believe doesn't exist. My brother loves saying that Michigan is now irrelevant. Um, I like a strong Michigan. I like a Michigan that's that's relevant and that when we beat them, we crush their dreams. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hopefully we do that when we play them. So this battle between Ohio and Michigan, um, you say this is going to kick off season two of Ohio v. the World? We're doing, uh, we are releasing our episodes. When I, since you hear this, you can go listen to ours on, on iTunes. We're right next to it. By the way, when it says listeners also subscribe to on my podcast, you guys are the first podcast right there. Yeah. It's always, you're my number one overlap with some other Columbus episodes. But um, Is that a bad thing? That's a good thing, that's I think. Good I think thing. you have an educated, uh, an educated listening group, so... Well, I think it all, and, and, I'll, and I'll bore him into into sleep. It, I think it all stems from your first visit with us when we talked about prohibition. That was a good one. We got to do another prohibition and one we, here later on. With, uh, I want to do one about the uh, Hollywood. We said we were going to do one about that, but we did one with Jack Warner. Yeah, about yeah. Jack Warner from the Warner Brothers because he's good. from Ohio, right? He's from Youngstown. Yeah, yeah, and it's all about how him and his brothers came up from Youngstown and ended up taking over Hollywood. Um, also, you know, you're a Steubenville guy. There's a Dean Martin episode out there somewhere that we can probably get into as well. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. yeah the history yeah, yeah. of the Ville. Um, but yeah, our, our season, season two is just launching and we're starting, uh, one of our first episodes is called Ohio versus state up North. Um, and so that's <laughs> me and another guy from Grand Rapids. Uh, he sent down some Michigan beer. We have a beer for the episode, every episode. So he sent down some Michigan beer and we talk about who was actually in the right. So... The problem here for me is that Michigan's probably correct that they should have owned Toledo. The line that's drawn and discussed in the Northwest Ordinance back in the day says it should be a line from the southern end of Lake Michigan directly across. Okay, mm-hmm. So when you make that line, it actually goes uh, well south of Toledo, meaning that Michigan would be 
Michigan would be owning Toledo. What Ohio does that's creative is Michigan isn't a state yet, and when we become a state, we write in our constitution that the line shall be diagonal from from Lake Michigan, um, and actually just enough to include uh, the port of Toledo, which is a really young, important city at the time. So we tried to sneak it in there, and it's when Michigan tries to become a state later that the, the battle and the war begins. The battle and the, over about what they said was 460 square, 468 square miles. Yes, yeah, so it's about an eight-mile long gap there from what the border is now to the southern part of Toledo. Uh, and it involves a lot of land west of Toledo that no one cared about then or cares about now. So militias were raised, and they said the criminal penalties were actually uh, given to citizens who who caved to either side. So, yeah, there, there's some characters here we got we got to lay out. First of all, there's President Andrew Jackson. All right. Okay? Jackson is just wants a peaceful settlement. He doesn't care what it is. Jackson's known, you know, old Hickory to be just, you know, a war a warmonger and someone who, you know, fought in the War of 1812 and, and subjected all the Indians and, and was was thirsty for, for a battle. Um, but here he's actually kind of trying to settle this situation. He doesn't want a war between the states. Um, the other characters you got to look at, people like Robert E. Lee makes his first appearance in history here. Uh, Lee actually draws the line for, for Jackson's government that shows that Toledo probably should be in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's at this point where you have the two governors – the governor of Ohio, who's Robert Lucas, uh, Lucas County, which is named after Toledo. Um, he actually comes in and actually creates Lucas County uh, during this war, creates Lucas County, names it after himself, which is a pretty bold move. Um, and the last person really who really kind of creates those penalties of, of jail and other things like you talked about was Michigan had a 24-year-old governor, the boy governor. They called him Stevens T. Mason. And he's the one who really drives this and starts arresting people in Toledo who are showing allegiances with, with the government. They had a 24-year-old governor. They had a 24-year-old governor. I think that's a record that probably won't be broken. So what happened was he, he's the son of some you know, Virginia you know, landed gentry folks, and he becomes the secretary. It's basically the vice president of the Michigan Territory. And the guy who's the governor is always gone. Nobody wants to be in Michigan. It's cold. It's far away from everything. It's the 1830s. Um, Detroit's really the only city there. He's always out of Detroit doing... It doesn't sound that much different now. <laughs> <laughs> You're just up in East Lansing. Yeah. It's about 20 degrees, yeah. right? Yeah, really. You could, it, what applied in 1836 still works today as far as I'm concerned. So the governor of Michigan is a guy named Porter. He's always coming and going to New York and Boston, and he comes back to Michigan one time, and he catches cholera during a cholera outbreak. Everyone died of cholera, I'm pretty sure, back then. And he gets cholera, and he dies in Detroit. He's buried in Detroit still as one of the first governors of Michigan. And what happens is this 23-year-old and soon-to-be 24-year-old, Stevens T. Mason, takes over the territory of Michigan. And he's determined to make them a state, and he's determined to include the port of Toledo in that state. So how does, you know, we, you said earlier that there was, uh, you know, the war, but there were no casualties. How do they go this length of time without something escalating? I mean, was, was, was the war done behind closed doors as far as all the negotiating goes? And these guys were just, the war, you know, on deck? The war is fought kind of in two places. It's fought along kind of that area that we know now as Toledo and the Michigan border. And it's also fought in D.C., so all this is going on in the background um, of trying to, let's solve this issue, let's solve this issue. But Ohio is the only one that's an actual state. And Ohio back then, just like it does now, has a lot of political clout. It's still, it's basically the biggest state out west. 
people are moving to Ohio in crazy numbers, like it's it's the California of its day. And basically, Ohio has a lot of capital, and they decide, you know, we're going to settle this issue issue once and for all. But at the same time, Ohio is determined to make Toledo and the port of Toledo, ports and and, and waterfront property, so important back then. That's the same time that this boy governor comes to power, and he has exactly opposite ideas. Right. He raises a militia. Um, he starts so talking who, a lot of who, smack. Who, who raised the militia first? Was it Te- Michigan? Technically, Michigan started the the aggressiveness, but Ohio ends up raising three hundred thousand dollars. Governor Lucas raises three hundred thousand dollars, which back in the day is you know millions of dollars. Sure. Um, to basically try and price out and scare the boy governor out of doing anything and mason ends up raising three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars to one up him to arm his militia and so now we've got two militias ragtag as they were uh poised on the border kind of looking at each other holding guns and taunting and a lot of taunting well that may have been the the birth of the first ohio michigan jokes you think maybe (laughs) maybe the first trash talk so maybe so when we say that there were actually uh no casualties but there was one wounded Guy, maybe it was just his feelings got hurt really bad. <laughs> There's really three three actual battles I think that that you would point to. The first is called the battle the Battle of Phillips Corners. Okay, so basically Ohio they want to settle this thing once and for all. Lucas hires some guys to actually make a new line. They're called surveyors, and they're actually making a line. And this is going to be the official line, and no more you know no more BS. And while these guys are making the line, Michigan, as we talked about, has raised this militia. The militia finds these guys in the woods. And they're all armed. And they're all, I'm assuming, people back in the 1830s, like we talked about in the last episode, pretty much everyone's drunk back in the 1800s. Um, but they start, yet yeah, they basically have their guns pointed at each other. And it's, it's this place called Phillips Corner. Uh, it's just basically just a guy named Phillips's house was in the neighborhood. <laughs> Um, and there's a big Phillip, Phillips's corner sounded nicer. It did. Of, it is instead it's of classier. Phillips's house. And uh, so there's a marker there at Phillips Corner, uh, just outside of Toledo, and the Ohio guys kind of gets get scared off. So they're pointing guns at each other, and the Michigan guys decide to fire. They fire over their heads. So probably 30, 40, 50 Ohioans there, surveyors, trying to draw this line and, and declare the border theirs. Um, and Michigan fires upon them. They go running. The Michigan guys, the militia chases after them. They take nine guys prisoners, and they take them back to Michigan, and they won't give them back to Governor uh, Lucas is begging, you know, release these men. The boy governor from Michigan refuses, and now we have our first prisoners of war. We have our first battle. Nobody's actually shot. There's a couple dozen shots are fired at least, um, but now we have our first POWs. And the so, the boy governor sounds a sounds a little dickish. He is a little he dickish. Is. He's he's yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of the Jim Harbaugh of this scenario. Nice. Um, the boy governor was the boy governor. That's I like him. <laughs> I like the I like that term. The boy governor. First of all, he only lives to be thirty one, so he packs a lot of stuff into thirty one years. Why, of why? Why? What happened to him? I think he he gets you know some sort of disease, of course, consumption. Um, he leaves Michigan ultimately. Marries, somebody, somebody whacked him, didn't they? Marries somebody a New York him. socialite, and then he gets sick and dies. Okay. Of course, he and his pro- political career kind of ends in disgrace. But at this point, he's got nine prisoners, and he's really pushing the issue. So, if anyone, like you talked about, he's got these. It's called the Pains and Penalties Act. If anyone is shown giving allegiance to Ohio or identifying as an Ohioan, they're they're going to be subject to arrest. And he sends his militia and his sheriffs down there, and they're basically hanging out. And the casualty happens in that summer of 1835 
when the sheriff of Monroe County, which is still there just uh, just north of the border, he comes down to Toledo to arrest a guy named Major Stickney. Who's Major Stickney is one of the commissioners of, of the Toledo area. All right. And he's, a, he's an important dude. And so he wants to get Stickney, and he wants, he's kind of the, you know, the high-level prisoner that they want to get their hands on. And the sheriff walks into a bar to arrest him, and a giant fight breaks out. Uh, between him, his men and the Stickney family is there, and there's a guy named Two Stickney, who's the son of of, of Major. I'm sorry, his name is Two T W O T W O. The Stickney guy named his kids. I'm pretty sure one and two. Um, I don't think maybe Two was junior. I don't know, but the guy's name is Two Two Stickney. Two Stickney is is the man <laughs> who who is who stabs the sheriff of Monroe County in a Toledo bar, nearly killing him, um, and that is the only casualty of the Toledo War. Wow. Two Stickney. And so Stickney gets away, and now Stickney... So two Stickney sticks. He sticks the, 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 sticks the, the sheriff. The, the sticks yeah. the sheriff. Um, and he sticks him in the leg, kind of close to the groin area, and Ouch. it's a big mess. Stickney runs off, and he actually runs back and is protected by the Ohio governor. Uh, and Michigan's governor, Stevens Mason, the boy governor, is outraged, and he wants us to extradite to Stickney back to Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, we refuse to do so. And again, more arms are raised and more, you know, and more and more stuff's going on. Um, it's still not settled. This whole time, there's two kind of battles going on. And also in the halls of Congress, Ohio is a state. Michigan can't vote in the Congress. So Ohio is working, whether it's President Jackson or the Senate or the Congress, to actually vote in their favor. And things after this two Stickney stabbings start to slowly die down. The third battle is basically just people shooting at each other across the Maumee River, uh, and nobody's hit because, again, also people were horrible shots in the 1830s as well. Um, and so <laughs> they were. They were drunk, and they were a bad shot. You get one shot, exactly. And you got to load it up, and then you, you got to get your drink. And I'm then, bored. Yeah, exactly. So nobody dies in that third battle. Um, and things slowly start to settle down a little bit as Washington turns against the boy governor. You mentioned another very important name. Uh, you said an, an early appearance by Robert E. Lee. Yes, Robert E. So Lee. So how does he figure into all this mess? Right before the war kind of breaks out, Lee is a, uh, a graduate of West Point, first in his class, complete, you know, complete great soldier, uh, poised for a great career. And Lee actually is working for the Army Corps of Engineers and is drawing a new line that Jackson orders to try and settle this. So Lee is drawing a line basically from Indiana to kind of break up the the territories of Indiana, Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio. Um, Lee doesn't actually get shot at or anything like that, but that's kind of his first appearance in U.S. history. Huh. Yeah, and he comes from a long line of of military family. He marries the the granddaughter of, of George Washington. And it, and do you think at that point when he's drawing lines, he goes, you know, somewhere down the line, <laughs> I'm going to split up this whole country. Yeah, he's 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 got a uh, he's got a, a past in in drawing borders, and of course he <laughs> he ends up using that about 25 years later. Yeah, you know, and Lee, when you look at Lee, he was a member of the army when the war is declared. Um, and President Lincoln asked him to stay on and lead the Northern Army. Mm-hmm. And he has to make this decision in early 1861, and he does decide ultimately that he can't go against Virginia, his home state, uh, and he does decide to go back, and they offer him not even the head of their army, just to be a general in, right. in the Confederate Army. 
So we offered it to him, and he turned it down. So he goes back just out of loyalty. Out of loyalty to his state. To his state? People believed in states a lot more than they do now. The the idea of a federal government, and again, in this situation, you see kind of the early, especially when you look back at the debates in Congress, the early, uh, you know, warning signs of the Civil War are really seen in this Michigan-Ohio battle that the state should be allowed to figure this out themselves, uh-huh. that the federal government shouldn't be drawing lines and taking sides. So it, it, that, that, that fascinates me. He goes back, he, 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 chooses, he chooses to go with the South because of where he's from and so forth, but uh, so was it out of loyalty? or Was there also principle involved? I mean, did he actually believe in, in, in what he was fighting for? I think generally, I, I can't speak really to his, his actual reason for doing it, but he, he always claimed it was his loyalty to the people of Virginia. He, he deemed Virginia to be the most American of states um, and the example to all the other states in the Union. And it really was you know, an important state back in our first five presidents, I think, are from right. Virginia, not County Adams. Um, and he decides to just go with his state because he, it's up to a state whether or not they want to leave the Union. And again, he was someone who believed in states' rights, I think, more strongly than he believed in slavery. Let me uh, flash to uh, summer of 1836 where this whole battle has a chance to be resolved but does not get resolved. Um, uh, uh, A proposed compromise that Michigan doesn't go for, right? Correct. So the boy governor is kind of backed into a corner. Um, Michigan's broke. They have no money. and They want to become a state. It becomes apparent to him as the Congress kind of turns on him he doesn't have the recourse of the Supreme Court because he's not a state. Ohio has stacked everyone in Washington, D.C. against them. Uh, and Michigan basically is given a choice. They can either remain, continue to be a territory, not get any federal federal funding. In 1836, the federal government is basically has a giant surplus. And they're promising $400,000 to each state as part of their their cut of that surplus. I mean, imagine them doing that now it's 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 unthinkable mm-hmm. uh, but back then we actually had a a budget surplus and michigan is not going to get that share of the money and they're flat broke and the congress basically they're the only state that's been admitted to the union dino that had conditions on its statehood and those conditions are except giving the toledo strip to ohio and we will give you what's called the upper peninsula as we know now uh, where we got this fine whiskey. He has to take that deal back to the people of Michigan, and they're not having it. Speaking of the whiskey, um, let's let's just pause because we've we got a, we're about halfway through it already. Yeah, so apparently we do <laughs> like the Traverse City Whiskey Company straight bourbon whiskey, even though it's a young whiskey. We we do enjoy it. Did I mention it was eighty six proof? So that's not too that's not too harmful. We've had we've had much higher proofs. But uh, if you are planning on driving to Traverse City while you're drinking it, eh, not a good idea. But if you get into trouble, maybe you should contact our sponsor. That's my comfortable segue for the night. <laughs> the law offices of Saya and Pyatt, yeah. located in Columbus, Delaware, Cleveland, and Mount Gilead, Ohio. You can contact them at splaws.com or 888-OVI-OHIO.com or call them the old-fashioned way, 614-444-3036. A hundred plus years of collective experience. You can contact them for a free consultation today. The award-winning, award-winning. award-winning lawyers of Saya and 
Pyatt. I'm a big fan of John Sayet. Yeah. yeah and, and Rick Pyatt, both really good guys. And they're fans of you as well. That's, that's nice that there's a little... There's some there's some love in the competitive field of law. Absolutely. If I've got a if I've got a question of something I've never seen before, which happens sometimes in drunk driving cases, I'll, that's one of the first guys I turn to. And John Say is a big fan of your podcast. He is. John yeah. and John's John's a really smart guy when it comes to history. A Pennsylvania guy, um, but a hell of a lawyer. We go from the summer of 1836 to the winter, December. And a little thing called the Frostbitten Convention where things actually get settled, yes? They do. So the Frostbite Convention or the Frostbitten Convention, you see it both ways. It's called that for two reasons. One, it was Michigan in the 1830s, and it's really, really cold. You were just up there. Yeah. It's, it's, It's rugged. It's a rugged, cold territory. It, it's like if it's if it's if it's forty degrees here and it's forty degrees in Michigan, it's a much colder forty degrees in Michigan for some yeah, reason. Yeah, it is. And so they have a convention in Ann Arbor. Mason calls it. Uh, the boy governor calls a convention because the first convention, like we talked about, they did not go for this deal of Toledo for the Upper Peninsula. In order to become a state, they said, "No, thank you. We'll find another way." And if that means we we continue the war with Ohio, that's what we'll do. Mason calls a convention where there are two parties back then, Dino, the Democrats, as we have now, and the Whig Party. The Whigs were a big deal. So the Whigs are, uh, are not fans of the boy governor, Stevens T. Mason. So they had decide to boycott the convention. Mason goes through with the convention, and at that convention, the Frostbitten Convention, they accept the terms of statehood, basically accepting the Upper Peninsula in exchange for Toledo. Now... The reason people didn't want to do that, Michiganders thought this was such a bad deal, is the Upper Peninsula was so remote. And we talk about it being cold in, in Lansing last week for you. When we talk about someplace like, you know, Sault Ste. Marie or someplace like Traverse City, I mean, you couldn't get up there. Uh, there was no bridge back then, and it was freezing cold. They didn't want it. They had no interest in it. Um, but Mason pushes it through. He'd been up there, and he'd seen, you know, the, the promise of that area. And he sees that the cards are against him, and he decides to make a deal. And, yeah, I mean, Michigan, I hate this part of the story, but I think Michigan ends up getting the last laugh because, as a result, they stumble across copper. ton of copper. Iron, timber, and it's like literally a, a financial gold mine for them. It is. So Mason always told the people there that, you know, this, this area within 20 years would be worth $40 million. We should accept it. And he's wrong. It's actually worth a lot more money than that. When you look at, you know, the the iron ore and the copper and the and the wood that you talk about, really plays into Michigan growing as a power in the United States uh, economically, and and really leads to you, you know, whether it's you're talking about World War One or World War Two, the built you know the building of all the factories up there. A lot of this comes from all their natural resources that come from the Upper Peninsula that they gain out of this war. So Mason was in that in that regard. You know, we we talk in our episode on Ohio be the world, who won. At yeah. the time, it's clear in the papers and to people from Michigan and Ohio that Ohio won. Sure. We got Toledo. We got this port right on the Erie Canal. We got Toledo. We got Toledo, <laughs> you know, which nobody really says now. Um, but, you know, Toledo is still the fourth largest city in Ohio. Uh, they still, you know, $11 million worth of, or, you know, of shipping goes through there, 11 ton, million tons, I should say, of shipping goes through Toledo. And back then, it was kind of the gateway to the West. You would go from... The Erie Canal would go from Buffalo to Cleveland, and then Toledo was kind of that gateway to Cincinnati. 
to places like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Chicago. Um, Toledo was important at the time, but obviously the Upper Peninsula had a lot more value than, than people thought in 1835. Oh, so they win. Michigan might have won Might the have war. won in the, in, the, in the big picture. In the grand scheme of things. Now, they've not been winning in the football realm no. for a long time. No. But, but that's, uh, I guess we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Even though they won, Michigan's still responsible for a lot of horrible things. Um, <laughs> And I think we should list them I, now. I, I think we should go back to your <clears throat> uh, commentary on on the state up north. Things from Michigan that I don't care for, Dino. And Let's I, go for it. And they are as follows, in no particular order. <laughs> uh, you've got Henry Ford, uh-huh. uh, noted anti-Semite. You've got Charles Lindbergh, also from uh, the Detroit area, a just absolute Nazi sympathizer. Um, before the war, leader of the America First movement before Pearl Harbor. Um, and also, you know, Steven Seagal from Michigan. <laughs> Not a fan. Not even above the law? You don't even like above the law? I like, uh, what's the one where he's on the ship? Uh, 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 oh, oh. Under, under siege. siege. Yeah, under, under siege. siege. Under siege and, and under right. siege too when he's on the train. But if you've heard, ever heard his band, he's also... Uh, He's one of these people in the in the Me Too uh, movement of naming of naming people who've been you know uh, who've sexually assaulted other you know other females. Steven Seagal was named by Jenny McCarthy recently. I don't know if you heard that. I I did actually. That's that's more of just like a, a bad attempt that. by him. I'm sure she could see through that. And uh, currently, I believe he is the fattest martial artist out there. <laughs> oh my yeah, there's a video of him doing some martial arts in Asia that is just awesome. You got to watch it. Um, other things I hate from Michigan. <laughs> go on, brother. Go, go, go. Uh, well, actually, Jim Harbaugh, who I hate. Yeah. Uh, him and Urban Meyer, both born in Toledo, a small, you know, little uh, unknown fact here in this case. But also the Insane Clown Posse, not a uh, fan. Not a fan. Uh, Fago, the drink that the Insane Clown Posse loves, also from Michigan. Uh, Verner's. I hate Verner's. Okay, well, I... uh, I don't mind Canada Dry. Not a fan of Verner's. I like Verner's. Oh, come on. Uh, Yeah, if you put a little Verner's in here, it might be... I like Verner's. Uh, I'll slide on Verner's. All right, where are you at on Kid Rock? Uh, You know, I'm glad he's not running for senator. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. Uh, Kid Rock, also from Michigan. Uh, Another just terrible, terrible addition to pop culture... Michigan's responsible for the show Home Improvement. <laughs> With Tim Allen. Tim Allen, a, a Detroit guy, uh, also just, just hated that show, and it was just total trash. <laughs> <laughs> so I would take it you didn't like his last show either, Last Man Standing. I didn't, I didn't, didn't, I didn't see, see that a single one. episode. No, Jingle All the Way. Was he in that? No, he was in the Santa Claus. He was so in the yeah. Santa Claus. The big movies for him. Man, he was, he's just awful. Uh, yeah, he did pretty well for a guy that did time for for you know cocaine for co- yeah for, cocaine for selling coke. trafficking yeah. yeah that's right he ended up all right uh, I will give Michigan this they've got a couple people I like Madonna from Michigan didn't okay. know that all right uh, here's one you'd love Francis Ford Coppola oh, was from Michigan from Detroit yeah wow did not know that uh, Stevie Wonder okay oh, great. come on Magic Johnson beat AIDS single-handedly. <laughs> just still trying to figure that one out. Just just slam dunk just, AIDS. Just, just still trying to figure that one out. Um, I guess that's about it. I guess I'm a big cereal guy. Kellogg's is out of there. Uh, Founders Creek. is a great beer. Bell's. That's about it for Michigan. Jack there you go. White. Jack White also okay. Rock and Tours a great band also. 
So I'll huh. give him Jack White. That's solid. But that's about it for for my love of Michigan. What's your Francis Ford Coppola? You're, you're a Francis uh, Ford Coppola scholar. I I'm, think. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of of Mr. Coppola's and and of course the movies. But I did not know he was from Detroit. That might change things. <laughs> <laughs> I may have to revisit. All right. So tell me this then, Mr. Historian. Um, were the Ohio State Buckeyes, and they are the Michigan Wolverines. Now, the, is there any history in respect to the, how the, how those? That's Dino. You've done your research, haven't you? Names came to be. Well, we during the war, the Toledo War, we invented the term Wolverine for a Michigander. Why? Because a Wolverine is just a, it's a really terrible. It's just a nasty animal. It's okay? a nasty animal. It's a nasty animal, and it has really gross eating habits. Um, it's very aggressive. And so we started calling the people from Michigan uh, Wolverines, is what we called them during 1834, 1835, during this war, um, for the way that they were behaving and how aggressive they were over this border war. The Michigan people, though, they just kind of wore it as a badge of honor. Um, and you can see that now, 30, 40 years later, they became the Michigan Wolverines yeah. all out of this Toledo War. One of my favorite X-Men. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, a good X-Men. Yeah, he's, a, he's a good X-Men. He is one of the best ones. Yeah, without a, <laughs> yeah. He's from Australia. And... Uh, can you tell me the history of how we became the Buckeyes? I cannot. I, I just, cannot. It's, it's I, just the. Tr- I think it's just the tree. They were just looking for a name. Yeah, the poisonous nut. The poisonous nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been called that. <laughs> Plural. <laughs> I like this whiskey. I think it's good. It's a jovial whiskey. It is a jovial. Wh- That's because it's young and it's spirited. It's got momentum. It's got momentum. Oh, man. I know more now about Ohio and the battle between Ohio and Michigan than I ever thought I would know in my entire life. They've been rivals for, you know, almost 200 years. So thank you, Alex Hasty, And uh, by all means, people, season two of Ohio v. The World kicks off when? Uh, November 18th. November the 18th. And you'll be back for just more and more history uh, of Ohio and some of the the interesting things that people don't know about this great state. Yeah, we've got uh, a lot of great guests lined up, and we're actually doing a lot more uh, national guests. So we're doing a lot more Skype interviews and things like that because we can't get people from Washington, D.C. or from Uh. New York to be on the show in person. Um, So we're actually doing it over the the Internet. And people can find Ohio v. The World how? Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, any way you get your podcasts, you can always go to uh, OhioViewTheWorldPodcast.com as there well. There you go. Alex Hasty has been our guest, our 40th guest on Whiskey Business. Yeah. Ruby Just anniversary a guest. Ruby anniversary. So check out Ohio V the World. I got to wrap it up by, first of all, thanking our sponsors, the law offices of Saya and Pyatt. You can contact them at SPLaws.com or 888-OVIOhio.com. You can contact them for a free consultation today with 100 years of collective experience and a reputation for results. They will get it done. And where are they? Not in Michigan. Columbus, Delaware, Cleveland, and Mount Gilead. So, yeah, if you need good representation, the law offices of Saya and Pyatt. All right, that wraps it up for another edition of Whiskey Business. I want to thank, as always, our magnificent producer, Greg Hansberry, yeah. for putting it all together. Uh, Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production recorded with the cooperation of the Columbus Radio Group. All the opinions 
initially are those of me, your host, and my, at times, reluctant guests and are never meant to offend, only to inform and entertain. So, until the next bottle, see ya. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.